Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. I do not want to hear even a single word more about Greece on this entire episode, right. except for the bits of my summary that have to do with it. But other than that, I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't want to hear you doing an accent, Jason. Please refer to of, it like, as its proper name, unnamed Mediterranean country. <laughs> I'm I'm not even going to call this film Zed. I'm just going to, we're not even acknowledging anything outside of America for this. <laughs> the Hellenic people will not be silenced. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Try Love. Literal roundtable podcast it is about uh, movies we saw, we saw or people we met. Sorry, I just got done meeting the neighbors at the over at their house. Um, nice people, but they gave me a little bit of beer, and now I'm a little bit a little bit loose lip. Ooh, we got thank drunk you, Jason. Yeah. Not not really. It was one um, falling knife brew. It was like a really Ooh, fruity tasting beer. Uh, it had a kaiju on it, and I forget what. Oh it was yeah, called. kaiju smash. It's all right. Yeah, it's it was, the thing it was about okay. those. I like it. It's fine, but. Anytime you put pineapple in any drink, it just tastes like pineapple. Oh, I just Harry and I got into an argument. Yeah, about we did this about pineapple. One day. Pineapple IPAs, Whoa. pineapple sours. I don't know, man. It just You're tastes wrong. like pineapple juice. Yeah, I, I think I'm right. It was it was pretty good. I'll say, like as somebody who's not super into beer and kind of likes more of the fruity, soury type stuff. Pineapple ciders good. are nice. Pineapple, pineapple ciders, ciders are nice. Are I prefer good. like a pineapple, pineapple milkshake you know IPA. I, I'll I bet they them. taste like pineapple. I bet they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do, dude. Uh-huh. It's a pineapple drink, you know, a Listen, cider specifically. Like me you, thinks, you know? me thinks he got your ass, Aaron, because he's pointed out no. that the pineapple things actually. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh god, I drank this apple juice. It tastes just a little bit too close to apples for my liking. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to it. Our podcast about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Find us on Twitter, Trilon Podcast, find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema. Um, uh, my name is Jason Deftis. Any similarity to real Cody's and real Nodies is not coincidental. It is intentional on this podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Oh, well, that's kind of embarrassing because I was going to do it. I'm, I'm Harry Mackin and any similarities to Philip Marlowe as played by Elliot Gould and Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye are not coincidental. They are intentional. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Punish Take. Probably should have thought of a second sort of a backup one there, but, uh, I didn't. <laughs> so that, that's what I've got. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm no pervert. Thank God. You can find me on Twitter at RBPlease. Uh, you can find more information about movies that play at the Trilon at Trilon.org. Go through our backlog to find a movie that you think you would like to hear us talk about. Uh, thank you so much to our guests and various folks who have been on our show before for give, bringing us an, another level of uh, sort of fame, notoriety, uh, riches, laudi- applause, you know, all that stuff. Good stuff that comes with, with popularity on the Internet. Some clout. Um but for right now, uh, we should talk about this movie, which Aaron is going to introduce with a quick summary, uh, teed off by his classic intro line. Yes, indeed, folks. <sighs> okay, I wish you'd stop. I don't know <laughs> no. when we all agreed to do that, but I wish you would stop. Oh, it, uh, it was one of the, many one of the episodes. last 18 episodes that you were done, pal. Turns out you missed some stuff. <laughs> okay, but now that I'm back, I, I'm taking over power and I'm saying no more of that clip. Please remove it in order to add space on your soundboard for other funny clips. Okay. I, uh, for the to future. that, I respond. Yes, indeed, folks. In the affirmative. <laughs> okay. Right, well, yes, indeed, folks. Today, we're talking about uh, the film Z. I guess Z, if you're a weirdo in another country. It's a 1969 film directed by Costa Gavras. Is that how? Costa Gavras? Costa Gavras. Yes, thank you, uh, resident Greek uh, on the podcast here, pronouncing that. Yes, sorry, um, can we get the name of the novel? <laughs> the the novel's writer as well uh, there? Vasilis, <laughs> uh, Vasilikos. I, I, I <laughs> don't. <you>, Jason. <laughs> yes, I, please do not ask me. I've, I've Not only do I have a bunch of Greek names to pronounce, I've got a bunch of French names, which, as we know, uh, is the worst the worst uh, uh, kind of grouping of names to pronounce. Any sort of French name, don't I like it. I have sound effects for both of them, so just be warned. 
Thanks. We're, we're, uh, starting, film. we're starting to get uh, pretty, like, we're going to really run the gamut and have an offensive sound bit for every single <laughs> nationality at some point. On, Just uh, these are the two ones. nationalities that I do not mind offending. Also with. Italians. We also have one, we don't Italians. have any French listeners, of course. Why? I mean, no. Uh, Greek listeners, maybe. Uh, they don't have anything else to do all day. They sit around, I would imagine. <laughs> listening to podcasts, maybe drinking light beers, lounging. Um, anyway, look, this film is largely allegorical, telling a fictionalized account of the real-life murder of left-leaning Greek politician Gregorius uh, Labrakis. Uh, the film has a plot that closely aligns with the real-life events of that assassination, um, as well as the following consequences. The film itself, to kind of summarize the just the strict contents of the film, uh, follows uh, an examining magistrate plays played by uh, Jean-Louis uh, Trintignant, maybe, as uh, nope. he investigates the purported accidental death of a leftist anti-war deputy, played by Yves Montand, um, yeah, who was in town to give a speech on nuclear disarmament. Um, as the magistrate follows the facts, testimonies, witness accounts, so on, surrounding the so-called incident, uh, he begins to unveil a criminal right-wing conspiracy. Also in this film, uh, Irene Papas plays Helen, uh, Helen uh, yeah, the magistrate's wife. Uh, Pierre Du plays the general. Uh, Jacques Perrin, uh, just adding a kind of twang to all these names, plays a photojournalist who's important to the events of the film. Um, the film is, as kind of previously mentioned, fictional, but it, it kind of mostly aligns with the 1963 assassination of that uh, politician. Um, the kind of pessimistic events at the end of the film um, also, unfortunately, align with real life as the Greek military would stage a coup and, and kind of take power in 1967. Two years before this film would come out, uh, power would eventually change hands uh, a little bit over the next few years, but democracy would eventually be reinstated in 1974. Film was recognized by leftist groups uh, on release. Uh, it was quite popular kind of globally apart from that as well, giving a voice to a lot of global, not just Greek tensions that had uh, deepened over the course of the 1960s, kind of leading into the 1970s. Uh, the film was nominated for five Academy Awards, winning Best Foreign Language Film and Best Editing. Uh, it lost Best Picture uh, to Midnight Cowboy, uh, which also means that Hello, Dolly didn't win, so it's not all bad. Uh, Jason, resident Greek, uh, I don't know, take it away. Say, say whatever you need to. Resident Freak. Here. Resident Freak. Um, yeah, I, I I have not seen this movie before. I, made, I, I endeavored to read the book uh, some time ago, and I did get maybe halfway through. It's fairly dense as you can imagine as a, as, a, as a book <laughs> too soon uh just yeah. a little inside burn uh fans of the podcast won't understand that one but um, us insiders are gonna love it yeah uh they're they're going wild in the chat um it like i did not expect it to get at this really like i I've, i figured political intrigue assassination based on a real and i don't know much about the like actual assassination i did some cliff's notes versions of research for this episode and i had heard the name grigoris labrakis before but i had not like did not know the story did not know the direct inspiration here um but the overall like the movie itself i what i really like about it and how it it like put itself out as um as unique and standing out from other political uh like the politioteski movies or that we've covered or some other like in the in the genre type fiction uh is that it gets at like just an incredible like hopelessness of the cycle of defeating or like besting the, the any any hegemony um it, like i think this rings throughout the whole movie best summarized i think in the very ending but we know like in the structure of the movie we know who did the crime uh that is seen as like a silencing of of uh, like of political dissent uh, with the ruling art with the ruling class with the ruling hegemony we know who's in on it throughout from the very beginning. We know like all of our key players. We know exactly how they're lining things up and what they think about the people that they're trying to oppress. Uh, and we're still not given a satisfying ending to even when like the right thing does happen, when they do solve the crime, when they do jail the people. Um, it's because the bad guys were undone with the tools of their own system, the the legal process, so to speak. I think that it like gets at how uh, Sisyphean or how like Pyrrhic that victory I'm really just bringing wow. up all the Greek classics now. Yeah, yeah. wait, wait, like wait, 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 w
otherwise it moves kind of like a pretty uh, typical political thriller in many ways. You're uncovering layers of a conspiracy and stuff. But I think kind it's interesting. Surprisingly, so right, like yeah, because it, it really it, it had a lot of that. similarities with that Poliziotesky that you brought up, except that like it feels so much more urgent and satirical mm-hmm. and angry because of its grounding in in satire i guess and in this sort of like very black um angry uh very cynical very yeah, like yeah out, like outrage at at the system as it was when the movie was made yeah i i will say that i think there's like a i like this movie a lot i don't even mean this as a criticism uh but there's kind of like a weird Seinfeld isn't funny situation you get while watching this where you, I think pretty much anyone has seen like, yeah, about what, 55 years of films, like taking this and kind of uh, like honing its sharp edges just a little bit, but also like adding a little bit more kind of splash and, and kind of yeah. style to it to, to make it uh, like just kind of move a Poppier, bit quicker. Yeah. Like, so even something like, like uh, not to, kind of bring up the big film this year but like even something like Oppenheimer is like those kind of films with with are like clearly so influenced by like this sort of thing right like Fincher is somebody um Oh man I thought you were going to go a totally different direction and say something like In Loop or something or like Death of Stalin just like the you super could. political Death of Stalin comedies. absolutely yeah, another it's like yes. very much in that same sort of conversation and, Yes and it, it feels like they they've kind of like I don't want to say they've like lost a lot of the edge of this film, although I think certain ones certainly have. Um, but I also think that they, they have a lot of those films, at least the successful ones, have done a good job of like inserting just a little bit of spiciness every once in a while. Um, you know, interesting filmmaking techniques and whatnot to kind of make make those kind of move a bit better. I would say, um, and I, I don't. Again, I don't even mean that as like a a criticism because I think this film like mostly really really holds up. Um, and I think that like the the kind of the aspect of this film where it is doing a lot of this stuff, if not like first, then at least like pretty early. I think like forgives what would come off as kind of tacky in a film that were to come out today and do the the same thing. Like I think that like the the epilogue here in a more modern film would come off like extremely hacky in a yeah, way yeah. that like I'm willing to forgive that ending because I think that the slingshot nature of it like really works for me, especially when I kind of take it in context specifically as a film released again, two years after this, this kind of military coup. Um, and so I don't know, I'm not trying to just like argue that like the context makes this film still work. Cause I think it still works regardless, but like, I do think the context is like a big factor yeah. in a lot of ways here. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I had a very different experience watching this. I guess the thing that really stuck out to me about this movie, I mean, I have a whole list actually of things that it does like just super right about depicting fascism and sort of like military juntas and in how those things never really change and they're playing from the same playbook and it made it feel like really depressingly relevant in 2023, especially like I think in a lot of ways, this is kind of like. A, a cyclically relevant uh, political movie because the fucking it never actually changes the way that these these people, the military industrial complexes in whatever countries they're a part of, uh, hold on to and seize power. But um, what really struck me about this movie, um, I brought up in the loop and death of Stalin a little bit, but like I found this movie really funny, um, almost like. W- I kind of found it incredible that it was able to be as funny as it was without losing the plot at all of its political sharpness. And it actually managed to make that satire or or the sort of comedy of satire into part of its pointed political message more um, effectively or or thematically um, successfully than than like almost anything I think I've ever seen where like I, I really think that like a lesser movie would have sort of like held the jokes and the seriousness um, at arm's length from each other. Whereas in this, like the point is that the military is this stupid, right? The point is that they are the hypocrites that they are. The The point is that like, even the people who are trying to defeat them are so sort of like locked into this ridiculous game that everybody's playing except for the fascists themselves that they can't. I mean, like, 
I loved that like the, our main character keeps saying like uh, the the magistrate keeps interrupting people to to um, call the murder the incident instead until finally like even he accidentally says murder because it's just so fucking obvious at that point that like it's absurd to call it anything else, but like he still needs to avoid it anyway. And like, even though he's being as careful as he is, he is still essentially like only, he only gets away as long as he does because his dad was literally a colonel in the military, but even that doesn't save him in the end. Um, so I guess I think what elevates this movie beyond a lot of the, the movies that have sort of taken inspiration from it is, um, and maybe this is sort of a, a trite point, but I just found it to have like really the strength of its convictions in a way that a lot of movies since haven't. I mean, like say what you will about this movie about its pacing, but like it knows what it's fucking about. You know, it's like saying something. It's just like, Hey, like this is some bullshit that literally just happened. We watched it happen. Um, everybody we have to rise up against this like yesterday uh and like i i think that the way that it depicts every side of the conflict from the magistrate to the opposition party to the fascists themselves um it really doesn't doesn't give anybody an out um without sort of like it doesn't do both sidesmanship it doesn't say that like everyone is equally to blame like very clearly the the fascists and the military and the propaganda machine that they created are to blame for the heinous shit that goes down in this movie. But I, but I was really impressed by the way that like it, it makes everyone's positions within other than the fascist sympathetic while still demonstrating how wrongheaded they ultimately are. Like, I think that this is also a movie about how the opposition party failed uh, in Greece. And I think it's, it's about how the magistrate failed and about how law and order failed again, because they were kind of playing this, this, game of asynchronous warfare where like they were playing by rules that only they were playing by that the fascists never really had to even sort of pretend to play by which is kind of what makes this like ending in particular so powerful and i think that's a big part of what makes like this so relevant right especially like in america in 2023 right but um so so i i guess what i'm trying to say is like i agree aaron that like i think that the the dna of this movie it's really clear how it sort of influenced a lot of the political thrillers to come but what i liked about it is that it's not even necessarily allegorical right like it's so much bolder than that like it, it even has that thing at the beginning where it's just like yeah like this is like similarities between this and real life events are not coincidental. They were intentional. And so, <laughs> and so it's just like, like it's such a great sort of angry fuck you. Right. It's just sort of like, look, clearly you guys can't deal with allegory. Uh, you can't deal with subtlety. We tried that shit. So like, look, this is what happened. And like, now we have to deal with it. We have to like show it for what it is. Yeah. I mean, someone like, um, someone like, I guess I don't know. I've, I've not looked up to see if this is actually an influence on it, but someone like, I think Aaron Sorkin has kind of made a career out of like taking kind of the wrong elements of this where like, this is a yes. film about like <laughs> one man, like I, unconsciously at first and then consciously by the end of the film, like kind of standing up for justice well, and like attempting to yeah. do the right thing. But like Sorkin took like, the elements of that where like, well, the big difference often, is like, Sorkin, Sorkin loves that shit. He loves this yes. guy. In, yes. in Sorkin's and version of this, the magistrate's the best dude who ever lived because he like, he wins and there's maybe yeah, a depressing message to about minded like, liberalism. And it's like, if, yes. if there is a message that is downbeat about Sorkin, it's like, well, but nobody else listened to the savior. Like nobody yes. else, nobody else was as good at the game as he was. Whereas this is sort of the perfect anti Sorkin because it's like, look, <laughs> This, this film is, is a, about like a person like believing in the system and then like finally using the system to kind of turn it in on itself. And then, of course, that does not work. Yeah, and then right? the fascists the are just like, like, oh, so this do system that. doesn't work anymore? Okay, we'll just throw it out. We'll just take over the actual country using military force because that's yes. always what they were going to do the second the system stopped working for them. And, and I, I do find like that the ending of this film, uh, uh, which I, I do think works for me, where there's like the the you know the epilogue, and then the, the journalist kind of mm -hmm. uh, you know kind of tells what happened to all the characters. And then that even is like changed as uh, uh, you know a woman's voice tells what happened to the journalist uh, who was reporting on all of this. And it happens, um, I think, so like, immediately, so cleanly, and yes, gut punchingly. It, it is hilarious, so quick, but yeah, it, it works to like 
pull the audience away from that sort of melodrama, which I think other films like even ones that I really like, like kind of operate by like just kind of delving into like even more at the end. Right. Where this like kind of pulls you out of it to, to like remind you that like, Oh no, that's, that's all silly. Right. Or that like, that's not just silly, but like those, those feelings are like maybe meaningful in some manner, but they are like kind of transient in a way. Right. That, I, like I love they, it, they are right? not it's... like, defining in a way that like power is like power is defining it's such a rug pull right because it's like here we get like what is almost i really like your framing right that it's like an aaron sorkin right it's like here we've got this like this dogged magistrate who like works within the system to bring the system down and then like we get to the the like one yard line before the touchdown right like it looks like the military are finally going to be brought to justice and the military is just like ah fuck it we'll just take over instead it's like well if that's if that's the way it's got to be and it's just like yeah like there you go right like yeah. this is always how it actually works guys and it's like you know it's again for like somebody who who's just watched the democrats try to tell me that uh like trump only won because of russia and we're going to like expose his illegalities in order to bring him down and and he represents this giant aberration from uh conservatism in the united states of america it's like this could not be more sort of like relevant right it's just like people need to believe in like these bullshit systems meanwhile the people who don't have like this unbelievable advantage because they can just do whatever they want and force these people back into their basically slaughter pens right (laughs) I, I do like how this movie has a double downer ending um, in that the like ending one, so to speak, um, is one of the uh, leftist party leaders uh, shows up to the widow, the house of the widow of um, the man who was killed, the deputy. He is then uh, he, he announces it's a real revolution. They've they've convicted all f- or indicted all four like of the leading military minds who put together these um uh, who put together this plot and it, you know the corruption goes so deep it's impossible for like any for, for things not to change after this they're going to get better it's, yeah, and she, it's so trumpian right it's so like right. well we and fucking got him this time exactly there's no way he'll get out of this one <laughs> it's, it's exactly like that tweet where it's like how is he'll never get out of this one and it's like Trump uh, escapes well, it. Nevertheless. <laughs> yeah. nevertheless. Uh but yeah, it's it's like that is the actual ending of well, so to speak, the ending of the story where the good guys prevail and the uh the military junta is undercut by, by you know political corruption at the deepest level. And then uh but even on that note, the widow just seems like really not satisfied by it and it's not like in a it won't bring my husband back way it's like oh nothing's actually changing here he's this man's very excited to tell me the great news and i know that like the fact that he was allowed to that they had such power as to allow my you know to to for to like to assassinate my husband means that actually no it's not just you know four people in a in a hierarchy that need to go away in order for this thing to be uprooted and and destroyed it's it's that it goes far far deeper than that Right. It's sort of like I, I really loved your your discussion of it as a fearic victory, right? Because it's like basically what he's saying is that, well, they killed your husband and we proved it. So yeah. we won. And she's like, what the fuck? You t-? Like, I exactly. know that they killed my and, husband. Right. And, it's like, what does yeah. it matter that you she said that at the beginning? There was never oh any my question God. for anybody reasonable that they killed that he killed her husband. Right. And, it's like everybody knew that this was not a mystery for anybody is, except for the people who had to make it be a mystery. Exactly. It's exactly why I like I struggled while watching it. But in retrospect, I know that I appreciate this. It is that relationship of that story, that plot, what the movie is doing to the audience that I think makes this movie ultimately pretty special is that like, like I said, that you, you see what happens, you see behind enemy lines, you see them plotting, you see them planning, you know, what's going to happen. You actually do see like the crime committed in the, you know, the quote unquote objective lens of the, of the movie, what actually happened. And then there are conflicting accounts from different people with different loyalties, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it gets so caught in the plottiness of it all, in the mechanics of it. We spend a lot of time with people who claim to have seen what happened, or some, or a new witness who's appeared to say like that. Um, uh, what is his name? Va- Vago. Va- is is the character's name Vago? That he is dis- that like he admitted that he was headed to go kill um, the 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 professor, the deputy. Uh, we get like really caught up in the plot and the mechanics of it, to where by the end, I feel like the audience then has this mind of like, finally they've come around to it. Finally, victory is like truth has prevailed. Finally we win. 
And it's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? The, like the, 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 we, we knew from the beginning that nothing was actually going to like th- that this was, uh, as, as symbolic a defeat as it was for the leftists to have their figurehead like killed in the street. It is only that like functional. It is purely symbolic that you've defeated them at their own game. Now, as, as Aaron was saying about the end, the ending, like it is announced in voiceover from another character who has to this point, I don't think been part of the story just announced that like they've banned all these things. They've now like actually restricted, uh, you know, freedom of the people even further than they did before because they just could, because they were just waiting to cut the rope on an anvil that was going to squish the right, the, you know, the entire population, uh, of Greece under its, you know, the, the boot of civil, uh, unrest in, in any case. Like, I just like how fruitless that feels after so long that we spend like Aaron alluded to sorkening it up. Um, like we, we get to see like the, the moral right, the moral just, uh, prevailing time and time again. And then it all turn it all kind of amounts to effectively nothing. Uh, I, I just really like that. It spends that much time getting in the nitty gritty rather than going high minded and, uh, like blowing the story up out of proportion in in favor of just like you're going to see the mechanical processes, the legal process, the interview processes, the media getting involved to see how big a case is being built and still how small it is in proportion to the power of the military junta that currently rules. Well, and and I think that like speci- I really like uh, what you're saying about this. This wasn't even necessarily my takeaway at the time, but the more I think about it, the more I think the like mechanics of the plot are supposed to contribute to the final rug pull t- to the extent that they do, right? Where it really is supposed to be sort of about how tempting it is to sort of like adopt that comfortable liberal stance where like, oh, the, the arc of history is long and it bends toward justice, murder will out, and sort of like, okay, well, like, if people break the rules long enough and badly enough, um, we'll, we'll get them. Right. Like like the will of the people will turn on them uh, or or like we will be able to catch them in a lie, in a technicality. And like it's so tempting to want to see that happen because it's such a compelling narrative. Right. Because we want to see this this dogged magistrate sort of like find the legal way uh, to like navigate this labyrinth to, to use another yet another Greek reference and and find the center where he can exploit the weaknesses and all this time even that system even that like is perpetuating the power as it is right because like all this this only works until it does like this will only they will only allow you to do this until it stops working for them right like they'll allow the magistrate to spin his wheels and uh like conduct his little investigation just like they'll allow the opposition party to go out and uh, demonstrate in their whatever capacity they can until the moment that that stops being beneficial to them, which is what we saw at the beginning of this when we kept showing like the opposition party, you know, they're, they're sort of like well-meaning but naive ways. They're saying, well, we, we can't respond to violence with violence. We have to show people that we're not uh, that we're not like our opposition. We have to show people that we're ha- more high-minded than that. Meanwhile, all of the people are so brainwashed already that like they're never going to see people as anything other than literally like people who have mind worms. Right? That was another part. Uh, and this is a bit of a digression, but like this this movie is so clear about what it's about. Is that like there's the minister of agriculture who's talking about how they have to fight like literally like molds and pesticides in their or uh like like pest diseases in their country and then the fucking like head of security of the like military takes over the conversation and it's just like oh and by the way it's the same thing with communists communists are literally people with brain diseases and we need to round them up and eradicate them <laughs> uh and we have to use other fascists and nationalists in our government like antibodies and like he switches metaphors like four times right but it's just such a fantastic demonstration of like there is no reasoning with this person like this is not a person that the opposition party is going to be like huh i never thought about it that way i guess nuclear disarmament is actually in the best interest of everyone right i i guess like if if you put it that way like people don't have enough to eat but we spend half of our gross 
uh, domestic product on military. Uh, wow, you're right. There really is an imbalance there. It's like, what are you fucking talking? Yeah, about? yeah. Right. There's- it's like even the one the one speech that we hear from the opposition party, the guy who actually kind of knows what's going on before he's assassinated. Basically, the entire speech is just like, hey, did you ever consider how weird it is that like we're not actually radical at all, but we get all this vitriol and like, yeah. doesn't it kind of seem like this vitriol was maybe I don't know weaponized against us for some purpose? <laughs> Uh, and then he gets hit in the back of the head uh, by a club. Somebody exposed by his brain, a guy yeah. who is coerced, a working class guy who is coerced by the ruling party into doing so. Yeah. Right. And so it's just sort of like it's such a wonderful demonstration of like there are cycles even within this movie. Right. Like we're supposed to be frustrated by the opposition party's refusal to sort of like see things for what they are and their need to sort of like play this game just because of this seems like all they can do. And then all of a sudden we're taken in ourselves just the way they were, because like when we're watching the magistrate in act two and we're watching him follow the rules and try to to find his justice, we're rooting for him. Right. And like, we find ourselves rooting along. Like I really thought that like when the stenographer said, Oh, sir, do you want me to write down murder? Uh, You said murder. That was like a a great moment, right? That was like a, Oh shit. Like he's actually a true believer now, but none of it ended up mattering. Right. Right. Um, I, I just love that. I love how like it keeps on giving us that bait and switch as if like it, the movie is telling us like, I guess you got to need you need to see this happen over and over again so you can finally get it through your fucking thick heads that like mm-hmm. playing the game is never going to work. Like it, it's just going to keep happening this way over and over again. It's it's even telling like I want to know what Aaron thinks here, because it's even telling us, I feel like from the very beginning, like from that intro scene and it really does start with a biologist talking about mildew in local agriculture um from the whole from the beginning of the movie it's telling us the whole time how the dictatorship thinks of the dictatorship and the relationship to the opposition party and it isn't like we are in a constant war it is there is a foreign invasion there is something um, in our midst that is that is wrong it's very red scary obviously it's so funny he's like we're not ideological at all and also anybody who doesn't think like us they're literal parasites with brain worms and they need to be uh genocided exactly (laughs) and and to your point it's telling us like the movie is telling us like it is a fruitless endeavor to try to understand reason uh sympathize or like um you know meaningfully uh through the channels through which a lot of the leftist party in this movie seems to adopt meaningless to like resist, so to speak, because they are so essential. The opposition party is an, is, excuse me, an insignificant, like the, uh, whatever he is, the military ranking officer at the very beginning calls them isms, just like in, insignificant, nothing, just palaver and like evil among, uh, our, our people kind of thing under the boot of the dictatorship. The, and that the ruling right wing uh, have convinced themselves that they are like the natural state of the state. Vigo, like you said, says uh, we're the antibodies um, from like in a natural system that are like fending against foreign bodies. The, the like leftists are an attacking pathogen. Um, right. There's no engagement with the ideology exactly. whatsoever. Like, exactly. It's it would even be a stretch to call yes. what these fascists have in ideology. Right. Like I think to to some extent they're correct. Like they aren't an ism because like they would adopt. You know, much like Trump, much like uh, a lot of the sort of like prevailing military industrial uh, right wing parties of of any government, Mm -hmm. they will adopt any sort of ideological stance that they can in order to maintain their power and authority. It's Mm -hmm. it's just they're post ideological. Right. And like they will they will make anybody their enemy if as long as that person is is against the perpetuation of their power. And it's like against something like that against post-ideological enemies like that, we see, like you're saying, Jason, how ridiculous it is to try to meet them with ideology, to try to say, like, actually, my ideas are better. Because, like, the the opposition party is saying, like, well, if you think about it this way, this is actually better. And then their enemy is saying, actually, that guy's a demon monster, and also he's gay uh, and effeminate, and he has brain worms, and he wants to kill your children, and that's why you need to follow me. And it's like, well, like <laughs> there are two different games being played here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just like that rhetoric. I'm interested. Uh, I was going to try and toss to Aaron. Cause I, I think it was scratching near what he was talking about earlier. Um, like that rhetoric is very, like very mo- mockable, very like, Oh, it's very easily pigeonholed as just right wing craziness. But I think it's very pointed in this movie. Did you feel similarly Aaron about the way that like uh, the dictatorship talks about the dictatorship talks about, 
the leftist, the opposition party. Did any of that ring to you? Did that make sense on any sort of level beyond surface? Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit, but also kind of in, in I think, agreeance with what Harry said a bit ago. I, I, I don't think that it's, um, I mean, you see this a lot with various like authoritarian movements and right wing movements and whatnot, whatnot, but it's not like a cohesive philosophy so much as it is like kind of a general group of, uh, uh, you know, actions and ways of thinking and, and ways of expressing oneself that are considered like, you know, kind of foreign or alien in some manner. Uh, or like going against the norm, right? And I think that like there is something to be said about the ways that that kind of stuff is expressed, specifically like the members of the government, um, the military that do so, the members of the police that do so, and then also like the other members of the anti-communist organization who are maybe just like, you know, not to like, not to like soften their actions in this film or anything, but who are just kind of like more normal guys, right? Who like and often clearly like still buy into class dudes who were kind of coerced into it, right? Yes, who are who are like defined mostly by like their material interests and like how the people in power are able to help alleviate that or like promise to alleviate that, right? To where like there's there's the one guy who uh you know clearly is just doing this. Um well, one of the reasons is obviously harboring a lot of hate uh, for kind of anti-nationalist sentiments and whatnot. But like also just like he needs to pay off his truck. You know what I mean? Um, there, you know, there's the guy who oh, needs to, to apply for a permit. Right? Who among us? There's, yeah. Well, there's yes. one insanely egregious example, right? The, the fig salesman. And they're just like, well, you need a permit to sell figs, right? And if, if you help me with this, I'll give you a permanent like permit and he's so yes. excited to help out and it's like brother like the doctor you are the shit. permit guy yeah, it's <laughs> like you're selling his shit back to him it's like that's his right yes. that like and and he's so excited to be like that they would deign to give it back to him it's such a i really yeah. loved um sorry but uh to, to interrupt but i really Continue. loved how like how the the um movie shows how effectively the the right-wing party like uses the very people that they are oppressing to sort of like perpetuate their power and they do it just by sort of like like feeding them back scraps from the sort of horde that they have taken right it's so frustrating it's so and i i think the frustration is the point in this movie in a in a really good way yeah i mean it it is i i think a lot of good movies that that have class elements kind of show this they they show like grievances that that are had by like lower class and like middle lower class people get like kind of channeled in the wrong direction uh oftentimes and i think that that is that is something that like you know at least kind of comparing this to like contemporary american politics that is one thing that i think that like the right wing is like pretty good at doing maybe often unintentionally a lot of that's just aesthetics more than anything right but like you know there are a lot of cases of people kind of being upset at what at least what a what me a, a big old lefty would call is like kind of the completely wrong direction, right? Um, and I think that is represented quite well here, where you know a lot of the you know kind of just like small time people brought in for questioning, maybe they club some people to protest, maybe they drove a car or whatnot, are like often defined by those material interests, and um, it that is like juxtapose pretty well with like the members of the government who are using their power to kind of offering to, to offer to promise to alleviate uh, those problems and also using their power to like solely try and like stay in power or grow their power mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, um, kind of in the future. And like, I think that like the, the difference between those two groups is kind of like important, even if it like has a very similar, um, uh, a similar kind of um, end goal or like end result. Uh, the other thing is like, I think it's also like kind of funny how, like how many sh scenes were given of the member of the, the members of the anti-communist organization, like complaining about like the life they're living and whatnot. Yes! And like the, the environment around them. And it's like, well, but dude, that that party Bro. is in power right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, this and is like, the opposition party. And this is like, this is like exactly the complaint of every leftist, right? Is that like, Every single like eight ninety nine percent of people who are Republican, ninety nine percent of people who are Trump, if they understood their own like best interests better, they would be leftists, right? But it's just because of like neoliberalism and the way that like any sort of like actual class uh, 
consciousness has been eradicated from the global left consciousness uh, that, that, that continues to happen. But like, you're so right. Right. It's like in, in a big part of why the right can succeed. And this is something that I think has a lot of um, again, analogs to contemporary America or really again, just sort of like any cycle of um, right ascendant um, military industrial uprisings is that they are able to present this narrative for um, the marginalization of the working class that is so much more immediate and material than what the opposition can muster, where they can say like, hey, it's because of these goddamn immigrants, right? Or it's it's because of, it's a, because of, in this case, in this movie's case, like they, they talk about the intellectual class, right? Uh, these sort of flip-flop wearing hippie bastard homosexuals who are doing things like going to the theater and going to universities. Of indiscriminate uh, gender. Or indiscriminate yeah, right. he uh, literally says, gender. Yes. He, he says of indiscriminate gender at one point, and it's like, was this movie made this year? Yeah, like, I know, I know. It's <laughs> unreal how, like, how uh, uncanny, uncannily close it, talk, like, cleaves to right-wing talking points. But, um, and... It, in opposition to that, it's like, well, and and this is something that the left has always kind of struggled with, right? Is that like, like this opposition even says like, well, consider the, the global status of, of nuclear disarmament, like consider what it will mean in 20 years. If, if everybody, including 30 countries that you can't name and people you've never met would adopt this sort of ideology. And like, actually your problem isn't your immigrant a uh, person of color neighbor down the street that you hate because you were told to hate him. It's this sort of shadowy cabal of very rich people who you will never meet and interact with. And it's like, well, they're right, but also like, it's tough to sell that, right? Like I, it's, it's not a narrative that like the, the pathos to use yet another <laughs> Greek term. Thank you, Jason. Um, is so much more immediate and, and you can take this, anger that you alluded to Aaron which is like true right like like people should be angry but it's so easy to weaponize that anger in the wrong direction when you can give something somebody something so immediate to hate and to hate so viscerally and that's like what makes the rights um propaganda machine so effective is that it, it finds a way to immediately channel all of that anger and discontent towards something that that they can make um, into this sort of like ideological straw man for anything, right? It's like, it's really anything the right needs it to be. Like they say in this, it's like, oh, it's any of those hippies or any of those women or any of those immigrants or any of those people of indiscriminate gender. It's really just like they can conflate all of these things to make them into this panache of everything to stand against and then they can say by standing against that you're actually being a good red-blooded citizen a nationalist right and it's like it creates this utterly simplistic but compelling um narrative for understanding why you're angry and why you're marginalized and what you have to do to break free of that marginalization that is so much more immediate and elevates the individual so much more than the sort of um, counter narrative could, right? This sort of counter narrative that like, oh, actually we all have to take to the streets and protest and we have to do this and we have to do that. Um, and it, it's really, it's, it's a really frustrating, um, frustratingly true to life depiction, I guess, of how it does that. Right. And I really mm -hmm. think that like, in particular, it's not an accident that so much of the plot that unfolds to actually kill this guy is is um sort of conducted by or not conducted but but executed by these working class members of this anti-communist party who are just marginalized working class people who need things right they need to pay off their kamikaze they need to pay off their fig stand or whatever and they they make the perfect sort of stooges for what's to follow right is it are they like are the people in this movie, the the the, the left wing opposition party, are they defined as much by like what they don't do, what they what they, how they're not able to convince, and how they're not able to like act against the ruling dictatorship? Are they defined as much by that as by like their per, quote unquote pursuit of the truth, like the more typical a plot type political thriller stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, to be fair, we don't see a lot of the actual opposition party in this movie. That's kind of just in the first act. But I, th I think it is sort of 
an important part of the satire that like they get pushed around so badly. Right. And their only response is to sort of like go through the channels. Like at one point, like we keep seeing the leader of the opposition party being like, well, we have to go talk to the chief of security or the, the police captain now about getting this permit. And it's like, bro, like the calls coming from inside the building. Like we saw that dude in the first scene calling mm-hmm. you a parasite and uh, like a, disease in the body of the state and it's like this guy doesn't want to help you bro like like and they say like oh believe me i'm neutral in this the police captain says to him at one point and he just sort of accepts that right he's just sort of like well i guess that's true and it's like he knows it's not true but there is this weird sort of paralysis of actual action taking place that's very frustrating i don't know if the movie is necessarily advocating for straight up armed revolution (laughs) right like i don't really think it it gets there i think it's more of a just a critique of the fact that like the of the asynchronicity of power right of the fact that like we let this anti-democratic fascist police state sort of seize people's power from them and dictate the rules and now we're just playing by their rules right and and even their sort of opposition party plays by the rules. And I, I think it's it's important that this movie portrays that as as every bit as ineffectual and almost absurd as it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of see the ending of this film as kind of, I guess, like a call to action, not to be too cheesy about it. But I, I guess that's kind of how I view it, at least in, in 1969. Um, I, I guess that's maybe... I guess the end I view is like very pessimistic with like the, yeah. the epilogue and whatnot, but I guess like the very final shot where it describes the the letter Z is like this, you know, uh, meaning he lives and whatnot. I guess I view that as maybe not like a call to arms. You might be right about that, but at least like a, I don't know, some sort of optimistic message for the future uh, or, or not even the future, like the, the then immediate kind of term. Yeah. For the um, resistance. Yeah. Well, and and also it it turns the satire around a little bit, right? I think that like a lot of my favorite sort of revolutionary um, political pieces of media or treatises or what have you, they like they point out how like oppression and opposition to democracy is actually like fundamentally extremely unnatural and it can only be maintained through like the application of absurd amounts of force over and over again, right? Like any regime that is anti-human only maintains itself by being as oppressive as possible because it needs to be, right? Because the minute it's not oppressive, the minute it takes its foot off the neck, the body is going to get up and throw it out, right? And I, I think that like that there's a really great, funny, satirical point to be made that like, bro, they banned the letter Z at the end of this movie, right? Like, like it's revealed that the name of this movie is the name of a letter of the alphabet. And Tolstoy. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's also a really funny part, um, and unfortunately, the subtitles didn't really do justice to this joke, but during the long list of things they banned, one of the things they listed, and I don't know which one it it, um, was, but it very clearly just has like six question marks and exclamation points after it, where they're just like, they banned this? Like, really? Like, it's very clear. And, um, but anyway, like, Again, like, just think about the fundamental absurdity to ban a letter of the alphabet, right? How ridiculous and absurd that is. And moreover, right, like how ridiculous it is that we let them get away with this, right? Which is, I think, really what this movie is all about, is that like, hey, like, the military got away with this shit. Like, we let them get away with this shit. And like, isn't that insane? Like, they literally told us we couldn't use the letter Z anymore. And we're all supposed to just go along with that. Like, I, I think that that there is something like sort of call to action or questionably hopeful about just the fact that it's like, yeah, like for these people, those military people to maintain their power, they had to do shit like this, right? They're idiots. Mm-hmm. They do things like the the best joke maybe in any movie where um, the magistrate keeps telling the military dudes that they can go through a door to avoid the press and then they immediately try the door to find it's locked. And then they have to walk through the press. They repeat that joke like 16 times just to show that like, oh, like these military dudes are morons, right? Like they're they're not exactly like Einstein's. And I think that's part of the point, right? It's like these aren't criminal masterminds. They're they're sort of like simple, bumbling, sociopathic assholes. Yeah. What a, what like, are the like Donald Trump, right? It's like, and and so like the fact that they get as much power as they get is not like 
it's not a, a demonstration of how brilliant and powerful they are. It's a demonstration of how meek and ridiculous we are, right? That like, oh, we can let these people take the letter Z away from us if we let them. And so don't let yeah. them, right? <laughs> it's just like simply don't let the idiot like run the world then if yeah. you don't want the idiot to run the world. This is so, a movie where, where where the Pac-Man uh, is he he enters a hospital to with intent to murder the man who's going to eye him for the crime, and uh, and and the magistrate is waiting inside or sorry the reporter is waiting inside the door and he knocks on the door and you see his silhouette like he, Bugs Bunny yeah, outside the window like, him in his club like getting club ready to come raised, in <laughs> like like wild eyed like he's about to bring that shit down and he opens the door to let the man in just to see who he is and he just peeks around the corner says pardon me and leaves in a right. rush like well, this is some looney tunes ass shit well, like then, it is it is that on, pronounced when he's being cross-examined they're like oh well it was because of my leg and uh mm-hmm. actually i fractured my leg years ago but i couldn't go to the hospital at the time so i got to put in a cast <laughs> now and that's why i have to use this cane and he holds up like what looks like a literal like Fred Flintstone fucking like <laughs> prehistoric club that like, Oh, like this could only ever be used to thwack somebody over the head. And he's like, this is the cane that the hospital administered to me. So like, I wasn't going in there to kill that dude. I was actually receiving treatment for my leg that I broke two years ago. He's, and it's like, bro, what are you fucking talking about? He even, even delves from, from back into that thing. You guys were just talking about right then when like, he's talking about, I couldn't take the time off work, even two days off of work. And I'd be broke. I'd be out on my ass. A, a rich man uh, gets sick and he's out for a week and it's no problem. But me, I take two days off and my whole family starves. And it's like, bro, come on. We cannot get much more pointed than we're getting here. I just love that that balance that it's got going the whole time. Um, that is just about where I wanted to go with this conversation. Anybody else have anything before we get to the big old JD? Okay. I've never heard the JD or abbreviated that way. You're you're getting a uh, trial up yeah. at night. I feel it's like you're the big PM. old JD. Hey. Buddy. Okay. Well, I will open up the junk drawer then for final thoughts about this movie. Uh, mine is primarily that uh, it is so I've never, never, and I swear to Christ, never heard of anything or see never. This phrase has never come through my mind to, for something to be Greek coded and not Greek. And this movie balances it so fucking because everybody's speaking French. It's a bunch of French act, French actors, Greek director. It is all in French. It is never called Greek, but constantly you hear, and I have this as a stereotypical bazooki hit, but this music plays conservatively like during 10 peak like scenes. This very Zorba the Greek ass honky tonky bazooki music. And I've thought, and I thought like, this is this is almost making a comedy of an entire culture, and I really, really, really like it because we're not talking about Greece. We're not talking about Greek people. We're not using Greek names. Nobody has a real name in this movie, and yet it's like very Honestly, so we just clearly should have known Greek. from like the work the fig salesman. Like no French fig salesman has ever been that spirited. <laughs> has never had that much joy de vivre. Uh, ironically, right? Because that's a French. But uh, you know, like that that's a Greek man. You know that's a Greek man. Come on now. I I quite loved uh, the Greek coded nature of this movie because it's just slant enough. Uh, are there just sales? Are there salesmen who just sell figs? I don't know. There are. Like, there are a Mediterranean country. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, uh, they're imports, so technically he's an import man, sort of a good point. Import exports guy. Can't get enough of their figs. Uh, it- let's see. I've got. Um, I we talked about it a little bit, but like. I, the, the satire of this movie is so funny and sharp. Like, I just love that, like, one of the, the major things that um, the fascists keep trying to do is they just equate, like, literally any sort of, like, any sort of even passing interest in the arts or intellectualism or anything that doesn't have to do with being, like, a red-blooded manly man as just homophobic, like, nonsense. Like, literally, he's just like, oh, yeah, the... Um, traveling ballerinas from the Bolshoi Theater, the most famous uh, like ballet um, studio in the world from Russia, came to this country. And um, so I went to see it, but I, oh, I only went to see it so I could root out um, opposition party members. I'm not a I'm not a gay pervert. Thank <laughs> God. Right. And it's just like, holy shit, like this is so true to sort of like 
literally just my entire upbringing as a person who has lived in a right-wing country, <laughs> right? And it's just like, oh, cool. Like, I'd love to see that shit. Um, I, yeah, I just like, I think that like this, this movie do- hits right, just the right notes. Like, I think that even like the, the ending is so depressing, right? That like, um, they even take the time to be comedic with the like, the deaths of the people where it's like every single person we see in the um uh the movie ends up being killed by the the military in the months following the what about uh, the one guy two? who just got exported though you know what i mean yeah, like that guy that guy got away pretty good That's sort of Deported the Irishman the thing it's like the guy yeah. who, who's like died at 84 <laughs> beloved by everyone beloved by everyone <laughs> yeah. yes uh, but but like everybody else is like, well, he uh, tripped and fell down 13 flights of stairs, was declared an accident. Uh, this guy died in a car accident. This guy died in another unrelated car accident. This guy died in a third unrelated car accident. Uh, foul play was ruled out in every case. Uh, this guy was found with his neck turned all the way around in a, in a back alleyway <laughs> of a of a bar. Uh, this guy was found with 15 knives sticking out of his chest. Uh, foul play was ruled out, right? And it's just like, oh, cool. I guess like, well... They they said that there there was nothing suspicious, so I guess we're going to deal with that. And like you realize that that's exactly the shit that they had been pulling that we were following around the entire movie, right? It's just like, hey guys, like that was the most obvious assassination of all time. Why are we pretending like it's this weird, like inscrutable murder mystery? So I think it's it's a really important point to like hit that again. And I I just really love that this movie. Um, it, it's not interested in being subtle and it's not interested in being particularly allegorical. Uh, and I really dig, or in, I should say in covering up its allegory very well. And I really dig that about it. Uh, my there's, there are stories built within the phrase. Uh, uh, Charles Denner's character, his name's Manuel. He's a friend of the deputy. He's one of the, he's one of the more distinctive looking fellows in this movie, passably Greek, but actually French um, <laughs> where it shows his face on the screen and he said, and it says, fell from the seventh floor during questioning. <laughs> during questioning. simply fell from the yeah, seventh floor a, of, really, of some building. We gotta fucking close these windows while we're questioning the uh, suspects. <laughs> it really is just very good balance of dark comedy. Uh, Aaron, anything before we get to the final segment? I don't think so. I think we've we've done a good job of of covering it. But yeah, I agree. Just the the dark humor here is uh, unfortunately quite effective. Yeah, unfortunately. If only because, like, again, it's like, how is this movie not made post-Trump administration, right? Yeah. It's like, it's so wild to see how cyclical these this bullshit is and how little we seem yeah. to learn from it. That's what Vasilis Vasilikos wants you to think about, is the recurring cycles of uh, fascist and dictatorships. Hey, and hegemony. Maybe, maybe just, like, how, like, it exploits our comfort, right, and our need to see things as sort of coherent and mm. logical and explainable and not just as power when that's really all it is. It's, it's a really like sobering message Awful. for as funny a movie as it is. Yeah. Good balance. Uh, I'm going to close up the junk drawer with a quick wank and open up the good grief. Give me a gift. We need some gifts that go out with the episode uh, on Twitter. I have my selections, but I'm going to toss to Aaron first for any thoughts you might have about shots from this movie that might make good gifts. Didn't think of any. Not even going to lie. Did not think of a single one. You ain't got um, that laconic wit. I, I, so I have like a few that would be cool, but I, I think that it's like they're all very gross and not kind of stuff. Like the, the compilation of everybody showing, you know, under killed by a train or pushed out of buildings and whatnot at the very end is very good. I don't mm-hmm. think we should be tweeting that just personally. Uh, I think those are like maybe real image. Like, I don't know. They might've just taken that where they like I mean? pair from, the person with the actor for a moment. There's mean? a guy who just was like, clearly just a guy squished by a train. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> well, we don't put that in a gift. You did ask for, for the pissing, blowing up kids from the heroic trio. Wasn't that you? Uh, or yeah, that, but that was me. I believe. That yeah. was him, and I, be I believe I used my my suggestion to counter that so that he couldn't do Effectively, that. Effectively, yeah. Yes. Um, I The other ones are just like people being beat by clubs, and then I'm like, why the fuck do I want that? <laughs> I, so I don't... Was, I, that was also, I mean, the, to be fair, the moment of assassination was also one of my picks. Unfortunately, it's well shot. Good. It's well it shot. It is well shot. Uh, let me see if I can... 
Uh, you know what? How about the the general emerging from the the sentencing room at the very end, and then him running into into you know nineteen different photographers? I think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was gonna say um, if we could get a supercut of all of the generals trying to open up that stupid fucking door on their way out of questioning and failing that joke got me so good in the, in the theater, the way they just kept going back to it. Oh my God. Um, to avoid press (laughs) or another supercut of, um, as the generals walk into questioning, uh, we get close-ups of all the medals that are pinned to their, um, military uniforms. That would be a pretty good one. Um, let's see. Yeah. I think those are, that's gotta be pretty much all the ones I thought of. I saw this at the trial on, uh, actually kind of a rarity for this podcast these days. And I didn't think to actually like, like make you time it out. Good gifs, but yeah, yeah. there's also the really good part where um, maybe not a super necessary subplot given how um, brief the character actually appears, but the opposition leader is having an affair with some woman, or at least he was at one point at one point he sees a blonde wig in a store window and then it cuts to his memory of the woman he's having an affair with putting on a wig before they, I don't know, get freaky or something uh, with some wig play. And I found that like, I, I really liked the like cut, but I also thought it was really weird to insert into this movie. And like, I, I guess it was effective. Like I immediately understood like, Oh, I get it. He's having an affair he's just a man, right? He has his foibles like everybody else, but it, it did turn out to be kind of a weird, not particularly demonstrative point. So mm-hmm. it maybe wouldn't make the best GIF, but it was a pretty good like sequence of cutting. I so remember that, that one too. It's very like, uh, not quite like perfect seamless shot, but just like the motion of like on camera does match really well with like, it's two different women, it, like the mannequin, uh, and the woman standing next to the mannequin and the woman that he's had the affair with sort of, pulling off her it does that a few times actually this is one of the things i should have brought up in in junk drawers like where it decides to get really stylistic it gets really fucking stylistic yeah, for, it's for like seemingly no reason there are whole moments i took down a couple of uh moments not timestamps, but when it decides to go nuts like when the murderer uh is getting fresh with the kid i think it's Fago is getting fresh with the kid at the at the arcade um after sort of like like trying to keep his name out of the paper uh it's like the, the music is going crazy it's like some one five four punk music for all of a sudden, and then when the surgeon is notifying the widow that uh, that the deputy that the leftist party leader speaker guy has died, it's like going cross cutting like a Dario Argento movie. It's just like going wild and like bazooki Ooh, out the a ass. Good, um, reference for sure, at least contemporary. You know, like with that very sixties seventies cross cutting, very stylistic, very like flash type cutting. But otherwise, it's pretty straightforward. I really liked when it decided to get that colorful and that um uh that i guess interesting to watch that formally it reminded me again of when we uh watched uh the conformist um again another uh twinting yacht movie where yeah. he like it just kind of a dark horse king of the trial on this year it, he may be a connecting thread between a lot of our favorites at the berries uh this year but hey keep an eye on the trilove feed for that um i'll share a couple of my quick giffies since we have a little bit of time uh there's one shot when they're trying to relocate their rally to another hall because their hall has been sort of like blacklisted. Uh, the, the, the owner has told them you can't be here anymore. He's like, but I have the receipt. I have like confirmation of payment. And the guy just tears it up like a mad dog with his mouth, just like chews apart the receipt just in the foreground of the shot. Just like an insane moment from an insane man. Um, the, I, I already mentioned when he, when, uh, Yago comes to kill the witness and he just like has this Tom and Jerry moment around the door where he's like, Oh, pardon me. And sprints out the door with his feet battling the ground, like, like a fucking, uh, Fleischer cartoon. Right. He, he might as well have been holding up like a green bottle with like a skull and crossbones painted <laughs> on it. Like it really is about that subtle. Yeah. It's, it's very cartoonish. Um, and then there's a shot just before, uh, Manuel is he's chased down by a by, by a vehicle uh, operated apparently by the uh, dictatorship that's trying to run him down, trying to kill him in the Ooh, town that's square. That's a good sequence. That would uh, be a it's, good a real, it's a really good sequence, and it starts with where he starts. He exits. Uh, I forget what building he's headed out of, but there are kids doing handstands, and it's kind of like a strange scene because it's like just up and down the street kids doing handstands uh and it sticks in your mind for that reason and then all of a sudden it's it's broken up by this uh small car that's just speeding toward him down tight alleys in in 
unnamed Mediterranean town in an unnamed Mediterranean hey, country. Hey, shout outs to that guy, by the way, that character, being the one guy in the opposition party who's kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah. why aren't we just like guys like listen i've got proof shit. they just yeah. tried to run they just tried to squish me listen this is exactly what we need to do and um, he's also the guy who gets uh thrown out the seven story window during questioning at the he end is of the movie. it is unfortunate um well then that is uh the segment that i like to call oh gee word good grief give me a gift thank you guys for giving me a grief give me giving me a gift good grief um i think Normally, this is where Cody would give his out. Do you, uh, do we do we want one of those, or should we let this go silently into the night? What do you mean? Do we want one of those? Do you have one? Uh, what does well, that I mean, mean, I I could I could end it the way I think Cody might be tempted to. I can, I'm a pretender to the should throne. Should we say our but... names and stuff first? Yeah, I just oh yeah, to... we do got to do that. I, I wanted I, some some cleanness between that. <laughs> if you have a really good one you want to read at the end, I think maybe go ahead. But otherwise, I don't know how I feel about someone taking Cody's taking Cody's thing. You know. Okay, I don't have. I, don't to, I like the I, mean, I like the awkward ending where we all just you know sort of shut pretend up and like you'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you'll exactly. put something there. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay, um, what, just play. Maybe just play the drop, like the little twangy Greek yeah, drop. Well, he's end. gonna play yeah. the whole song, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull some music from the movie. Yeah, uh, nice. but I for see. right now, uh, before this episode ends, we should thank you all for listening. Check out uh, Trilove Podcast on Twitter to find us. Check out the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org. Get tickets to showings and other cool ways to support the Trilon there. Uh, find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Uh, Cody Narvison can't be here, but you can find him on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. I've been Harry Mackin. You can find me on Twitter at PunishTake. My name, Eric. Uh, my name, Eric. <laughs> Folks, it is, it is so hot. Like, I am just sitting here in, like, a very breezy button-up, and I am just, like, sweating. It, the... There's going to be a heat wave here. It's going to be 96 degrees on Wednesday. Do you understand yes, that? Folks? It's 75 today, and I'm just like, it's just so humid. I can't wait. Take. I, I thought the city was on. known for the air moving around and stuff. Like, what do they call that? Okay. More like it could still be 96 and have plenty of wind. You know what I mean? Maybe that's <laughs> maybe it would be like 112, but the wind is saving us all from our destruction. Possible. Uh, regardless. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RB Please. Thank you.